0: Hey guys, before diving into the episode, as we're pro innovation in medical education, we'd like to shout out something that'll take your suturing skills to another level. Whether you wanna be a surgeon, work in ED, or be a medic, you will one day face a wound that'll require closing. My Suture is an all-in-one, high-fidelity suture practice kit, and a digital learning platform that gives you direct access to surgical advice and training. The idea is that you can learn to suture anytime, anywhere. Search it up at mysuture.com and invest in your ability to suture. Let's get back to the show. Hey everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the scrubbed in podcast. I hope you've all been keeping well this week. We have another amazing guest with us. We have with us, Aaron Kiru, who's also known as the Osky guy. He is a London based ST2 ophthalmology trainee. And what's even more cool is he was ranked third nationally. He smashed it, even went to Cambridge graduated with a distinction. He is churning out Highwood Oscar content on YouTube. I'm sure you all know about him, but it's a massive pleasure to have you on the show today, bro. Welcome to the show, Aaron.
1: Oh, guys, man, that was a bit too much, but honestly, thank you. so. I don't don't think I've ever had (laughs) such an introduction, but yeah, thanks for having me, guys, honestly, Um, and hopefully we do something cool, something interesting for everyone listening.
0: We know you're smashing it now, you're ophthalmology trainee, but tell us how it all began. Take us to the very beginning of you know your career, at what point did you want to do medicine and kind of bring us up to current day?
1: Yeah. So um, I'm an East London boy. Uh, I've always kind of lived and grown up in East London with my mum. And uh, I think probably I'll, I'll be completely honest, um, being Asian, you know, there's there's a few special there's a few jobs kind of that put out there that like, oh, yeah, obviously it's got to be one of these. <laughs> and um, when I was at school, I'll be honest, maths was my thing. Um, Everyone at school kind of um, thought I was going to do maths. Everyone at home thought I was going to do med. Um, but, you know, I, did, I didn't really yeah. have like a firm decision in my in my mind. Um, and yeah. I think it was like 14, 15, you know, that kind of GCSE time where, you know, it was time for some work experience. I actually did a bit of both. Um, and from like then I was like, OK, actually, med is pretty cool. You know, as a 14, 15 year old kid. Life goes like 100 miles an hour. You know, you're playing video games, you're revising, you're playing football. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like the busyness of med. And I think actually there was a I did a week in GP and a week in hospital. And out of all of that, it only took me about three hours of being in a hospital to be like, this is what I want to do. Like the rest of it was pretty standard. But I think it was three hours of shadowing an F1. And I can't believe that I was an F1. (laughs) But honestly, that F1 Friday (laughs) afternoon, I think he must have been on call i literally was following him around but literally we must have hit like 10k that day because we were running around the hospital i didn't know what was going on and actually at the end he was like honestly yeah. like medicine is super super busy only do it if you really want to do it And i think i'm glad he told me that because i was like i remember literally coming home with a bus and i was like you know what like i actually do want to do it like like the rest of it could have been so boring but it's those kind of days that i was like yeah like that but that, that, that will make it worth it um whether I still kind of love the business, I don't know, but like, um, but honestly, that was kind of the moment that I was like, I think I want to do med. And I'll be honest, what kind of changed for me? Because I think a lot of kids go through this where they're good at those kind of subjects, like the mathsy, sciencey things, or the kind of artsy subjects. So if you're in the kind of group that I was, I kind of realized like maths was getting more, like when you're like 12, 13, 14, maths is kind of like, if you learn how to do it and you do the questions, it generally makes sense. And that's what you kind of enjoy about it. It seems yeah. straightforward. But come 16, 17, 18, it's suddenly like, oh, I need to learn all these like like theorems. And like it gets very theoretical. And then mm. people were starting to tell me, like, you know, maths at uni is way, way different to maths at school. Like, it's literally like completely different. Mm. And then I was like, I'm already starting to feel like this is getting a bit really not my kind of thing. Um, mm. and that was where I thought, you know what? Well, actually, I think I want to do med. Um. And then mm yeah i guess applied to med school um i'll be honest i always wanted to go to london med school um i like love being Mm -hmm. in london and as soon as i thought i want to do med i was like one of the london med schools imperial kings ucl um you guys are kings boys right yeah Yeah. yeah. (laughs) i Um, I wanted to go to london med school and this is going to shock a lot of people but this is honestly the truth i didn't even i think you apply in year 13 yeah uh, year twelve, yeah, yeah. starting to think about uni choices. I didn't even know that Cambridge did med. No joke, no joke. I didn't even know it. Um, <laughs> and literally, my teachers were like, "Oh, you applying to Cambridge?" And I was like, I know, I'm not applying for medicine." And they're like, "Oh my god, like you need to do your research." And because I genuinely was so yeah. fixated, like everyone kind of when when you're growing up or whatever age you're, at, even now, there's like people at work that I kind of mm. look up to as I want to be like them in five years time or three years time or 10 years time whatever and when i was kind of that age the people that i wanted to be at be like were were the ones doing medicine at uh, imperial kings and they seemed to be loving life and uh, that's what i wanted to do yeah. uh, i didn't know anyone at cambridge mm-hmm. do like med and loving life i literally didn't know anyone so i was just like no nah, i don't want to do that in the end i applied to cambridge and i was very lucky to get the offer um, and even then i was very much deciding you know what where do i want to go and even my mum, who was like, I know you boys want to go to London Uni. Um, it's really up to you. And mm-hmm. in the end, I went to Cambridge. It was an up and down experience. I'll be completely honest, uh, happy to talk about it. Um, some bits were great. Mm-hmm. Some bits were like, oh my God. But I mean, that's med school um, and yeah. yeah. Tell us
0: how how it was at Cambridge. Yeah, A um, lot of people aspire to go to Cambridge as a university, let alone med school at Cambridge. Tell us the good parts. Tell us the bad parts such that if someone was to listen to this, they'll have a good insight.
1: Yeah. I think that's really important because I'll be honest, I didn't know those. I didn't know the answer to that question. Um, I worked it out along the way. Mm. Um, I think it's important to start with what was not so good. Um, so what's not so good is mm. there's a very, very, very heavy preclinical and clinical split. I mean, honestly, I know a lot of med schools have that split, but the first two years, Actually, the first three years, which is a long time, I saw two patients. I saw two patients in three years at med school. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, One was in a GP. One was in a hospital. And that was it. Um, I was doing... So the first two years is very systems-based. So like anatomy, physiology, biochemistry, embryology, uh, pharmacology, any other ologies that you can can, can think of. And it (laughs) was... lectures for each of those you'd have lectures you'd have small group supervisions like a supervisor with three of you and then you'd have essays three or four essays to do a week just imagine that three or four essays yeah i heard about Ooh. that the infamous yeah. essays and they like yeah. hefty
0: <laughs> essays bro i'm talking about three four digits four figure yeah, essays like yeah. you're churning honestly, out like bro. the
1: amount of pieces of paper that we waste, not, it, it, it felt like a waste at the time because i'm like <laughs> Wait, all my London uni lot are like enjoying life, doing all these dance shows, this is what I should be doing. <laughs> Bro, they're out
0: every day. I know, man. That's full of freshers. Um, and
1: I remember I don't know if this <laughs> is stories or what, but we do anatomy and some of my London lot, because they went to school with me, they are like kings and stuff. They were like, Oh yeah, we didn't learn about that nerf. Like we don't that's not important. I'm like, What? So, are they making stuff up? But honestly, like the first two years was proper killer. Like I went into it as well. And Mm. this is I don't know if this was a Cambridge thing. I don't think it was, but I think it's really important for a med student or med student to hear this. I was pretty high up in school and I think whoever gets into medicine will be. It's it's a competitive course. Mm. I pretty much felt like I went to rock bottom when I went to med school. Like, I don't know if it was only a Cambridge thing, but you're suddenly Mm. surrounded by people who are extremely bright, extremely hardworking. And you can't get away with, like, what you got away with at school. Like, I'm talking about how you study completely. I realised my study technique was just so bad at school, but I got away with it. Um, I couldn't do that yeah, at my yeah. school and still be up there. Um, and it's just a completely different way of studying. It's, like, content-heavy. Like, it's it's so heavy. Yeah. And then you suddenly got these essays. I'm yeah. like, what? wait, what? I haven't done an essay for, like, four <laughs> years. Like, literally, like describe the physiology of the hand and how it works in rheumatoid arthritis for first for a 19 year old like but yeah um (laughs) it was the first two years was really really tough um and Mm. my mates really we all kind of got together and that's the one kind of thing the first thing i want to say like please revise with your mates whatever stage you're at it will make your life less stressful happier exams will go better um And also the other thing I want to say on that point is other people actually, I I think for me, especially, but I think a lot of people, other people know your strengths and weaknesses almost better than you do. And I'll come on to this later with the YouTube Mm -hmm. stuff, but people who I was studying with at Cambridge, I was living with them, obviously they were like, yeah, you're really good at this, but you are so bad at this so we can help you out. Mm -hmm. And I literally was like, yeah, I'm not great at that. I'm not that bad, but they were fully right. They were fully, fully right. So yeah, first two years, really tough. Third year, we did our like compulsory BSc, which was like, okay, back to reality, like two lectures a day, three yeah. lectures a week sometimes. Really, really nice. And then fourth, fifth and sixth year, amazing. Like, that's what I loved about Cambridge. Like, on in fourth year, remember, I'd seen two patients across three years. They literally said to us, look, we know we've given you a natural sciences course all this time. Um, we know that and we admit that. And it was fine. It was, it was nice because, like, you do your preclinical base in the hospital, your, your, your clinical, sorry, your preclinicals based in the colleges. So in a clinical school, they were like, we know we're not really associated with any of that. We don't like that. So now you're here, we're going to teach you how to be a good doctor. Mm-hmm. And they were literally like in fourth year, look, go and live on the wards. And they say, gave us so much flexibility. They were like, you have a few timetabled sessions of lectures on hypertension or lectures on, but you don't need to come. When has a med school ever done that? They were literally like, if you find something on the ward, or the clinic or theater that you know you haven't been experienced to and you are really learning from it stay there and a lot of us took that opportunity oh wow yeah. Yeah. that's really yeah. good a, that's a great a lot of us took the opportunity in the wrong way as you can imagine but yeah. like sometimes yeah. i was like you know what like today i really just want to go to a, a clinic and learn these six things and not have to like jump out and go to teaching on something that's completely irrelevant but you know yeah important down the line but that's true so that was great and then yeah last few years of med school um were really really good no more essays <laughs> no more all mcqs sbas OSKIs, and um mm-hmm. yeah so the good things about cambridge i'd say like obviously it's a nice area to live in you got to live six years out and i was very lucky with my mates um and obviously there's that reputation thing that helps you later down your, your career. Not as much as you think hundred percent though, not mm-hmm. as much as you think. Um, people say like, if you do kind of economics, mathsy kind of degrees, you might get a lot of benefit down the line, but in medicine, it's, it's a different system as you guys know with F pass and things like that. So, um, mm-hmm. there, the, there are some not so good things, the essays, the really heavy preclinical clinical split. And, um, Yeah. So I think I think it's important to really do the research because I didn't do that. And yeah, um, I found out the hard way
0: as as difficult as it was. Right. Do you think it made you so academically rigorous and competitive that it's what contributed to you being ranked (laughs) so high? in now ophthalmology. What do you think when Bro, you look he, back? He ran so high we can say the number. Like, we <laughs> exactly. No, not yeah. like 15th, 18th, man. Exactly. So like We took a single digit. So let's be real. Do you think when you look back, all of that is worth it? What do you think when you when you look back?
1: Is it worth it? I don't know about that. I don't know if, if no. It, mm-hmm. Going to Cambridge and doing med school, doing whatever just to feel better academically is not worth it. But like I can 100% say, mm-hmm. uh it may it changed the way i studied but i also think that like it changed the way i studied it changed the way i looked at exams in a good way like the first two years i was doing okay you know like i was getting my two ones or whatever you want to call it like and i was studying super super hard because i was just doing what i did at school you know hit the books like that's work for me you know i just need to work a little bit harder in terms of hours And I'll get back up. But actually, that was not the right approach. Come third year, fourth year, I was literally seeing from the people around me, like I was literally like, okay, so I need to admit defeat and be like, that is not how you study, and that is how I need to change my ways. And I definitely think it's taught me like the third year was the first year that I felt felt like, okay, I fit in Cambridge. I actually am okay, I'm smart enough to be here. Like, not even that, I'm smart enough to be in medical school because I did well. I didn't feel like I crazily worked hard. And that's when I first realized this yeah. whole productivity thing that is really talked about so much is not about the number of hours. Like everyone thinks they must spend like day in, day out, three hours sleeping, barely doing any social stuff. But third year was when I kind of was like, you know what? I'm gonna do the stuff that I wanna do. I'm gonna chill with my mates. I'm gonna do my Tamil socks stuff that like I dreamed of in London. But also try and Mm. do well and Mm. that year i did really well in my exams and i was like okay so now i've kind of realized that you just need to find out what works for you um and yeah that probably would have happened in whatever med school i don't want to kind of bash cambridge and say oh you know what cambridge meant that the first two years i was like like just average and it changed the way i think i don't know if you guys agree but medical school is a big big step up wherever you go it is definitely, Um, definitely definitely For so sure. yeah
0: so you kind of have that cambridge experience kind of find your place in med school tell us about foundation training how was that transition because you did your foundation training in london so you moved probably back home yeah um, tell us that transition
1: yeah so uh i did my f1 f2 in east london like bart's a whips cross and Royal london um i loved it i really really enjoyed it i think there's a lot of negativity about being a junior doctor and i get some of it um but i honestly think that like um if you throw yourself into it like at the junior doctor stage is one of the best stages of being a doctor i think because you are there to help out you're there to do jobs help your patients by the same time um you can choose how much learning you want to do so for example if you're on a four-month rotation Mm. in Mm. obstetrics i did that and i didn't want to do obstetrics i told them on day one look i want to do eyes that is completely (laughs) different to obstetrics (laughs) and they were like you know what well done for like being enthusiastic what do you what do you want to get out of this and i was like a bit of theater you know and i'll help out wherever i can and having that honest discussion i did my hard work i did what i Wasn't really for me, but I worked hard, and they were like so good to me. Whereas I think it's harder actually as a junior doctor to go in and say, "Yeah, I want to do eyes, and I'm on an eye block," because you want to do your job, help your patients, but also take something and learn from it. So trying to do everything Mm -hmm. is definitely harder than just kind of helping out and doing the basics and doing your job. So for me, I really found F1, F2 really nice because by then I thought I'm pretty sure I want to do ophthalmology, but let me see if any of these things kind of sway me massively, which a few of things did for a Mm -hmm. bit, but none, nothing to the extent where I thought, you know, I won't do this for the rest of my life, but I felt like, you know, I was doing my job. It was fun. Um, so I really, really enjoyed kind of being a junior doctor, being an F1, being an F2. Um, and the one thing I would say is I went into it thinking, I think a lot of people do is that I don't know enough medicine. I don't know how to put enough cannulas in. But you guys will know, like, you mm-hmm. you just pick all that stuff up as you go. <laughs> Honestly, like, you could be the friggin' hardest working medical student and you will still miss your ten, first 10 cannulas. So don't worry yeah, if you're one exactly, that has never man. done a cannula as a medical student. You'll be absolutely fine. Yeah, that was me.
0: <laughs> Aaron, quickly give us uh, five quick tips for the new graduates who are going to be going into F1 very okay. soon. Okay,
1: um, number one, uh, be on time. It will set, It will help you and it will help your team massively. Like... Honestly, if you're five minutes early rather than two minutes late, it's like it changes your entire day. So be on time. Um, mm. Be enthusiastic. Like if you want to learn something, then at that moment say, oh, can I do that procedure? Can I watch you? Because as a registrar, as a senior doctor, I think things get really busy. You almost sometimes forget that this person is here and they you might think, oh, they don't, they're probably just bored standing here. So if you ask, 99% of the time, someone will be like, yeah, of course, Like, I don't care that it's really busy outside, if someone wants to learn, I've been in that stage, mm. I want to teach this person mm. um, make loads of mates, honestly, work with F1s and F2s, chill with them, like they're all at the same stage with you um, yeah. think about training a little bit, like start to think about what you want to do down the line mm. um, because the year goes by really quickly so that, I'm not saying you have to apply for training yeah. but think about, okay, what do I want to do and it takes like an afternoon an evening where you can just be like okay so what actually do i need to think about because every training program is different ophthalmology is completely different to general surgery to medicine to public health so just see like what kind of things do I need to think about and probably the last thing is enjoy your evenings off like honestly like as a med student yeah. <laughs> like you can go into med school but in the back of your mind you're like i've got to do that assignment or i've got to do got to really prepare. I forgot how to do a hand exam, literally. Should I just watch a Geeky Medics video on it? Mm. Or like, oh, I've got my exams in two months. As an F1, F2, you do not have that. So leave work at work. Enjoy your evenings. Chill out, watch movies, play football. Honestly, that is the first time in a long time that you will have your evenings and weekends when you're not at work to chill. So enjoy it. Don't start thinking, oh, what's going to happen with that patient? There are night teams and weekends teams for that reason. Definitely. Amazing.
0: That's amazing. And that nicely brings us on to the training part of your career at what point did you know you want to kind of pursue ophthalmology um were you that kid at six years old thinking i want to be an eye doctor or is it something <laughs> you've come to love and i'm going to put a disclaimer eyes ent makes me bad. it makes me so squeamish i can't stand yeah. it like i was on ITU as SHO right during covid and stuff and like, they're making you do like bronchoscopies and stuff. And I'm like vomiting behind my mask saying, I can't do this. And you're forcing me to do it. Yeah. This is lame. The worst SHO you and, could get. And you know, you get those regs that are mad enthusiastic. like, now, nah, Abdul, you have to do it. You're going to learn. You know, don't people don't get the opportunity. But like, tell us about that. Um, your love for ophthalmology. Because you are super passionate about it. And it, yeah. it genuinely comes across. And that's what I love about you so much.
1: Yeah. Um, I think I love the job that I do now. But it was a very, very weird way and how I ended up ended up there. Like I said, I didn't enjoy the first couple of years of med school because I felt like I'm not doing medicine. Um, I honestly felt like, Mm. why was I here? What was this course about? And I wasn't alone. A lot of my mates were thinking the same thing. We could see that clinical medicine was there, but I was like, what happens if like, you know, it's typical Cambridge and like stick in a few essays or whatever, you know, you never know. Right. Um, And fourth year came around and like i said you could go on the wards and i was like this is fun but i didn't enjoy anything i'll be honest i was like don't like the ward rounds in general medicine really didn't like that uh didn't really like the general surgery vibe it just seemed very busy and just very hectic and like all over the place um obviously every experience is to that hospital to my experience so you might see general surgery in another place and i did and i was like oh this is quite chill but i didn't enjoy that did a bit of GP and I was like, yes, okay. But I was really trying to force myself. And like, I could, you, you always know inside, like, like, are you going along with it? Cause it's the <laughs> right thing. Or are you going along with it? Cause you can't find anything better. So basically I spent the first two years yeah. crossing specialties off. And I think that's not actually a bad idea. Cause if I just been like, yeah, general medicine, first thing I see, then like you keep changing. Cause you're like, Oh, this is pretty good as well. So I was just crossing things off. Like, yeah, not this, therefore not this. Uh, no. And, the way i ended up in ophthalmology is a massive fluke and a massive massive fluke i wear glasses contact lenses and i was getting my i'm a bad patient i'm a very bad patient and i remember my optician was in cambridge and i was like hey you're like i've got exams next week i need my lenses for oscars you know you want to look like you know you want to look good you feel good and they were like oh you haven't been for an eye test for about two and a half years you gotta come in i was like no can i just have my lenses like <laughs> literally i've got to revise and they were like, no, no, we cannot give you your lenses. We will not give you your lenses. It's been so long. And they were like, it says you're a freaking medical student. Like, like, come on, like, you need to know this stuff. And I was like, okay, okay, fine, I'll come in. I went in and they were like, "Your yeah, vision's okay. And I was like, oh, thank you. thank you. They were like, oh, we've got a few extra things. You know, they're probably like upgraded since the last time I went. Um, just do these tests. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And they did my pressure, my eye pressure. And they were like, they kept doing it. And I was like, okay, what's going on? They were like, it's a bit high um and then after all that they were like so we can't give you your lenses i was like oh my days are you serious like (laughs) like after all this like they were like yeah we're actually quite worried that this could be kind of some sort of glaucoma like do you have headaches do you have red eyes do you have pain do you see lots of things fine i was like no Mm. they were like okay so um can you come back in about a week i was like a week (laughs) i need some lenses and they were like okay i'll give you a letter why don't you um go to the hospital and then i was like okay fine so then I was like, okay, I need to find the eye department. Went into Adam Brooks, literally must have been a good day or not. The waiting room has like three people in. This is pre-COVID. The consultants are <laughs> chilling. Like, there's like one person, on the scan yeah. who's on her phone. Like, and I'm just like, hi, is this the um ophthalmology department? They're like, yeah, yeah, we're just in the middle of the clinic. Is it? They're like, clinic. What? What is going on here? Anyway, then this lady, I was like, look, I've got this letter. Would you be able to check what's going on? And she was like, okay, don't worry, I'll check you. Check my pressure so that like basically you've got thick corneas, which I see all the time now because I'm doing ophthalmology, which can kinda of artificially give you a higher pressure reading. So you'll be fine. I've given you this letter, you can go get your lenses. because like, the only thing is, um, just for kind of a complete examination, you should do like a retinal scan. So do you want to come and see me in like my private place? Um you don't have to pay for anything, just so, you know, so you know can get the sorted before your exams. Um, our scan is not working today. Mm. And I was like, Yeah, okay, where is it? And she said it's like at the local booper, and I went to get my lenses. So they were like, okay, cool, here's your lenses. Went there, and she dilated my eyes. Um, so I couldn't drive for like four hours. I was like, oh my days, literally. She's like, why don't you just sit here? That was like <laughs> that, that, that two hours there. Obviously, it was like, in a private setting, so it was a bit artificial, but every patient was like, I can see literally. Like one lady was like crying. She was like, literally, like, I couldn't see my granddaughters. Now I can see them. And I was like,
0: oh wow, wow, yeah. like,
1: okay, like, Clearly, like, this is pretty cool. um. But I was like, I was kind of hesitant. I was like, this is like, a... obviously, the patients were also very happy because they were getting, like, tea, coffee, biscuits, everything, the whole private service. They are getting top-tier um, private, yeah. private service. But then I was, like, I was like, okay, I went home. I was like, let me just look into this. And I looked online, and I was like, this is it looks all right, you know? Like, this actually looks all right. And that was the start of, like, the first time in whole of med school that I was like this especially that I can see myself doing and enjoying everything else. I never, yeah. ever, ever, ever had that even came close to that feeling. Like GP was one where I was like,
0: mm.
1: yeah, it'll be okay. You know, like and, like it'll be okay. Like it'll be a bit like, you know, not really my thing, but I could do it. I've got, I've got to pick something. That's the best thing at the moment. But Optimology was the first thing, but I'll be honest. I could have had that experience in anything. Like, I could have had that same experience in anything, and I could be doing something completely different. So you are so much like shaped by what happens in life that, like, you know, I could have started ophthalmology yeah. and actually not liked it. But luckily, I do. Um, and let's be honest, yeah. I get I got four days later that year in ophthalmology. I would not have like, hmm. you know, I would have not have got that kind of vibe maybe if I did it in a different place. So you got to be, and then yeah, you got to be very lucky in what kind of falls your way um but that's how i end up in ophthalmology and that's why i really want to kind of hopefully promote the specialty out there because um like i wouldn't be doing this otherwise i'd be i don't know what i'd be doing i'd be f3 f4 like still thinking about what i want to do literally no idea and that's fine Mm. but i wouldn't have ever stumbled stumbled upon ophthalmology again so I think
0: no, I agree. Yeah. I think that's true. There's some specialties that will never come across. Even anesthetic. Like I loved my two job mm. anesthetics to the point where I was like, okay, this is on the cards yeah. for me right now, because you get this exposure that you never get as a medical student. I don't know why the curriculum is like that. You get like a yeah. day. You went to medical for like years on end, but why do you get like a day? Um, and it's nice to and it's refreshing to hear that like you kind of found your place. You found your tribe to say in ophthalmology. But I do agree, like there needs to be some way where people get a bit more insight into this niche specialties rather than cardiology
1: and gen surge and this and that man there's so many
0: i think a lot the workforce will be happy yeah
1: there's so many specialties. optimology is one of like 25 specialties like i've never been exposed to like so many things and i've done all of med school i've done all of f1 f2 and i don't know how that can change and that's why part of the reason why i do the youtube stuff because i want to just show like first of all I have no publications. People think ophthalmology is so competitive. Yeah, oh, wow. there you go. Like Say yeah, that again. I've got zero Say that I again, man. I've got no publications and I'm an <laughs> ophthalmology trainee in London. Like what? there you go. Like, you don't people get put off by because when I then start telling people, Yeah, I think I want to do ophthalmology, they're like, Whoa, like you're gonna get a PhD or something soon. Like, yeah, good luck, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Honestly, because there's this everything is competitive. Every single thing is competitive. Um of course it's, it's mm-hmm. like Whatever you do, people say, oh, like GP, GP is competitive as well. If you want to get a good job, if you want to get the right job, like, yeah, the numbers might not be as much, but like, I trust me, GP is competitive. Like every single thing is competitive. So if you want to do it, you can't look at the numbers Um, and you can't be put up by people saying it's competitive when they haven't looked into the actual details. So yeah, optimology for me, Mm. I'm biased, obviously, but yeah, one of the best things, there are some things that I think I do miss and one of the things is it's so small um, as a specialty. You miss a bit of a little bit of the team vibe. Like as a junior doctor, one of the things I loved was I felt like a big part of a team. So like we kind of like mm-hmm. when the hospital's quiet, we can all chill together. Go get Costa. When it's busy, yeah. we all step it up. We all work together and we clear the A and E or we clear our ward round and then we chill. Ophthalmology is kind of a bit more like okay, the clinic's busy, let's see our patients, but we're not kind of as much of a team. And I do miss that, but there's a lot of other good points I could go on for hours, but yeah. um, yeah.
0: So tell us, now we know how you stumbled upon ophthalmology and know that it's an amazing career. Tell us how you did so well in the application, despite not having any publication, because I'm sure there are lots of people with their pens and papers, trying to like make as much notes as possible. Um, so do you spill the beans bro
1: yeah um organization is the number one thing i'm not an organized guy all my mates all my colleagues all my consultants know that i'm definitely not the most organized guy but for that i looked at it <laughs> after kind of like i had that experience where she was checking my eyes i looked at it and i was like okay so there are a lot of things on here there are some things that i can do while i'm in med school and there are some things i can't and I only had about eight months of med school left. And I was like, okay, so what can I only do in medical school? I literally was like, okay, there's a Duke elder exam, which med students may or may not have heard of. It's like, this is how you know ophthalmology is a bit creepy. Like they have an exam for people wanting to do ophthalmology in medical school, like all oh my days. Have you heard of in it? Med <laughs> I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah I've, <laughs> I've heard of it, a lot yeah. People do that Kings.
0: <laughs> As in like a lot of people know, I don't know if it's one of those things, but a lot of people know they want to do ophthalmology early on. As in like once they find it, yeah, they're like kind of gear up for it. So I don't know if it's one of those specialties where like people perk up. Yeah, like exactly.
1: Them. So for me, I was like, well, there's a lot of things on here. OK, I can't get everything done now. But what do I really want to focus on in the next eight months? And that was one of the things um, And I think there was one or two other things. Um, but it was like, for example, one of the things on the portfolio which you can find on like the seven deanery website, like Google seven deanery ophthalmology is writing a chapter of a book. Like, that for me is something that, like, why would anyone be able to write a book chapter before 27, 28, 29, 30, any, at any point? Like, how are we qualified enough to do that? I ended up doing that. I'm not qualified at all, but literally the op- opportunity came around. You guys have probably heard of um, The Unofficial Guide to Medicine, um, Zesha and Qureshi. Like, yeah, they do yeah, loads yeah. of books for... And mm-hmm. this is a thing, and you can write a book for someone who's two years below you because you know what's... what. Well, what's, what they're going through and what's the highs and what's the lows and what they need to focus on. And that's what this book was about. It was basically like medical student finals for people doing it and kind of a like clinical based clinical approach. And that's kind of yeah. the start of how I got into OSCEs and things like that. But um, that kind of stuff is, you've got to just be organized and look for the opportunities. Come F1, F2, I knew that mm. this is what I want to do. I was applying for the conferences. But like I said, I had no publications. And even a few weeks before my application i was shadowing ophthalmology she was like she was like st3 and she was like oh yeah it all comes down to publication at the end of the day and i was like oh great like oh here <laughs> we go like and then you know what ended up being that like actually interviews really important like everything you can have no publications you can have loads of publications you can have a week section in your application and you can still get in like i think um be organized it's the number one tip because it doesn't take someone to go to cambridge 100 percent. it doesn't take someone to think that publications are super important Mm. or presentations you can have everything else you can you can be like committed to the specialty and that's what really comes across like in the interview even though there's no questions like why do you want to do ophthalmology which is a bit weird like to do seven years and then not ask you why Mm. you want to do it Mm. they can tell i think Okay, this this person really wants to do it. The passion will yeah. come across.
0: Yeah, it comes across. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, Aaron, talk to us now about how you what you do outside of work, yeah. how you unwind, how you balance now life and work. Um, talk to us a bit about that.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I obviously I'm I'm training in ophthalmology in London. Um, ophthalmology is a quite a nice work life balance. I'll be honest. Um, I don't want to kind of sell especially too much, but I get about. I get two half days a week <laughs> scheduled in for study or. That's, I'm sold, that's sold, I'm sold. Um, <laughs> All of our listeners now. Um, so what else do I do? Okay, I'm not gonna talk about all the pro- productivity and all that stuff. Something I love, I love sport. I love, I love sport. So for example, I love playing football. I love watching football, Formula One. That is one of the big passions. And um, it's funny because when I went into this whole YouTube thing, one of the things down the line I was like is, yeah, I want to go and talk into about sports and sport injuries and stuff like that. Give a me- kind of medical perspective oh, that's quite on cool. that. And yeah. honestly, like in the back of my mind, I might still do that one day, but then someone was like, mate, you're an eye doctor, ophthalmology, not orthopedics, ophthalmology, not orthopedics. <laughs> and they're hundred percent right. And this is what I mean by the fact that other people know you better than you know yourself. Like, me thinking that I can go and talk about sports or sport injuries is me living in a bit of a dream world. But then these were the same guys that said, yeah. start off with something that I want to listen to you from, which is how you did good in your skis, And that's how kind of I went from t- starting to put this content out there. But I love watching sport, playing sport. Mm. Um, COVID's been a bit of a mess for that this year, but glad that that's kind of starting to go back to reality. Um And then, yeah, I'm doing this YouTube thing, whatever you want to call it, that I'm trying to put out some useful (laughs) content, but I'm also trying to do it so that, like, for myself, that, like, I don't feel, like, committed to doing loads of time on it without... while sacrificing things I really like doing. Um, And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. um, Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, what what do you mean?
0: the, The the concept of sacrificing things you really love just to kind of churn out video, just to get your subs up, just to get the views. Yeah. up. Um, a lot of people, you know, consistency, you know, put a video out for the next. Forever. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a bit more about it. what's the reality of it. Cause I feel like a lot of miss, I don't know if this is misinformation, but a lot of people look up to individuals like yourself and, Probably think oh he's probably banging it out doesn't get to spend time with yeah. his friends or family tell us a bit about it from your end
1: I I can I'm definitely not the most consistent YouTuber number one I've got to say that when I say consistent in terms of churning out content <laughs> but I still think that like even the most amazing karma medic who you had on here Ali Abdul all these productivity gurus mm. I'm sure I, I've I've lucky enough to speak to some of them and so are you guys they're not don't mm. look at them or don't look at any of us. And think we sacrifice on the things we enjoy. That's not how you should um, aim to do any project. Even medical school, like there are times in medical school where I've made mistakes, where I've been like, I'm not gonna go to that party because, you know, I've gotta study for this exam or I've gotta hit the gym because, you know, consistency with the gains and all that stuff. And I literally look back a week later and be like, what was I thinking? Honestly, it's the same thing now. It's honestly the same thing now. Like, the social aspects of life or spending time with your family, or even for me watching that formula one race live or watching Arsenal versus Villarreal tonight at 8 PM, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like to someone who isn't as invested in it, it's like just watch the highlights. But I'm like, yeah, but you know, like I'd rather watch it than spend those two hours thinking about my next video or things like that, or because I'll look back in three. And the reason I know this is because at the start of the YouTube journey, I did feel like I sacrificed a few of those things to make sure that I was pumping out my one video, two videos a week. Um, And I'm sure if you did that, you'd get a bit more kind of consistent success on social media, whatever it is. But then, you know, you would almost lose your love for those things. That's what I'm generally worried about. I'm like, if I stop doing it, it's like a routine. Like, it's like, if you stop watching something or stop doing that or stop playing football, stop going to the gym, it's hard to get back into it in the same way. So it's all about finding a balance, which is like, I want to do my my day job. For me, my day job will always be my number one. Like I'm never going to leave ophthalmology for loads of reasons. I enjoy it. It's hopefully going to give me a good future for me and my family. Like, let's be honest, it's not just about passion. Mm -hmm. Um, But then also there's my hobbies and then there's a whole like giving content out. And it's nice when, you know, people are like, oh man, like literally I watched that video that I don't even remember doing like Mm. in terms of the hours it took, it took a long time. I can hundred percent tell you that every video takes a long time, but I don't remember (laughs) exactly that video. And they're like, literally I've changed the way I do revise for medical school exams. I'm like, that's actually nice. And that is the motivation you want, but I could get that or anyone could get that like percent of the time versus hundred percent of the time. But that 20% is that balance of like, I still want to do these things. So it's all about finding that balance. Don't ever start a project and think I'm going to give something, hundred percent of this because that's unsustainable. And then you'll just burn out and then you won't even be able to continue it. And I, I've made that mistake, which is why no. hopefully some people won't make that mistake.
0: No, I Amazing agree. Amazing advice. And I think it's important to not see and kind of take it for what it is. When you see all these people churning out content, yeah. putting out videos all the time. Um, there are, There is more to life. And the last thing is you want to kind of attain success at the detriment of relationships, yeah. personal yeah. goals, your own endeavours, um, for sure. Tell us a bit about what an average week looks like for an ophthalmology trainee. Um, what can people that are potentially going to apply for, what can expect?
1: Um, yeah, great question. Cause it's, it's not talked about enough. Um, it's very different to any other mm. kind of doctor that I've seen anyway, in my brief experience of F1, F2. So pretty much there's no ward round. Ever. that there is no mm. ward round, full stop. Um the majority of the patients that you see are in outpatients or clinics. So basically they come in, they see a doctor, the nurse, they have their test, and then they go home. Um so okay, let's take my timetable right now. Monday morning, oh god, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna make you guys <laughs> Monday morning I'm off. <laughs> Monday morning, I'm off after a... He's off. <laughs> Monday morning, I'm off. Okay, he doesn't even start the week. Doesn't even start. It. Okay, uh, Monday it. morning, I'm off after the weekend. Anyway, um, so weekend's off. Monday morning, I'm off. Monday afternoon, I have a theatre session. So that's me and a consultant doing cataract operations. Um, the first week I started optometry training, I put something in the eye. I was like whoa guys are you freaking serious i've never done this they're like this is how you train this is how we teach you like it's safe like Mm. they wouldn't make you put something in the eye if there's a chance you're going to blind someone do you understand it feels like that i'm like whoa like i've like literally like don't even know what i'm holding but it's a whole (laughs) about getting used to manual dexterity things like that because remember all our surgery is not typical surgery it's microscopic surgery so we are looking down a microscope and then we're putting the things in it's kind of like video games honestly it's actually video gaming. Yeah, tell, mm-hmm.
0: how, how is that, like, operating on the eyes? Because I remember his, I don't know if you can compare, but in histopathology in med school, you're looking at yeah. like, you know, the microscopes and it hurts your eyes. <laughs> and I don't know if it's in focus or whatever, but tell us that feeling of operating on the eyes, which is such a delicate thing. I think it's really, like, what goes through your head? Like, uh, well, tell it's... us about it. You know i heard ophthalmologists practice? On yes, three... yes, yes.
1: Three? We practice on grapes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Because, like... Oh, um, the I it's crazy that like we have this massive microscope that we have to use but within a few weeks you get used to it but at the start i'm like so wait, i'm looking here my hands are holding the forceps and the blades and then my feet are controlling the zoom of the microscope the focus like wow. it's a bit weird it's, it's honestly like a game like honestly think of like playing like a future game because that's the way we practice so we have like mm. simulator machines where we literally play games looking down the microscope we have to move the boxes from a to b without uh like shaking yeah. too much and they get scored and you can only like move on to the eye that step when you finish like you when you've got 10 in a row of like more than 90 out of 100. so there's actually like quite a safe pathway but mm. yeah it's it involves everything um it involves kind of like using your eyes uh, it involves kind of using your hands both hands involving both feet. I literally, my right hand foot pedal is controlling the machine that breaks the cataract up. My left foot is controlling the zoom and like the XY. So I'm moving the microscope. It it sounds really complicated when I say it, but actually when you're there, it's not (laughs) as complicated as it sounds, Mm. but yeah, sorry. So Monday morning, I'm off Monday afternoon. I've got cataract operations. Remember the crazy thing is Mm. patients, 95% of our patients are awake during surgery. So we've got things in their eye. (laughs) They can hear us talking and then they go home 10 minutes later like and we've literally had like like Crazy. like normally patients knocked out you know surgery banters going on we've got music playing out loud we can be a bit slow we can be a bit quick it's kind of difficult because you've got a consultant who has to train me and say okay so yep be a bit you know imagine hearing all that stuff like stuff yeah. like okay, so just break it up a bit more. Or like, just anything. I'd be like, what? what? like Testing my eye or something. Like,
0: We always say <laughs> at the start,
1: you'll hear lots of talking, but everything will be completely safe. You'll hear things like mushroom, which is one of our instruments. You'll hear something like chopper. Chopper is our instrument. Don't think we're mm. like breaking the eye or anything like that. And it's really important to say that because I would be freaking out because I've seen thousand cataract operations. But if I it's my first one and I'm hearing stuff like, Oh, oh be careful yeah yeah, yeah. Is that like, what, what would you mean? be careful yeah so it's really got to got to be like careful with how you speak and stuff like that um but yeah so we do about six cataract operations and you start off by doing steps and then usually by the end of your first year the aim is to do 10 independently which is quite cool um mm-hmm. i'm in my second year so I've, i'm now the aim is to get towards 50 um so that's monday afternoon Tuesday morning, I do an ocular plastics clinic. So this is all the subspecialties of eyes. So that's basically eyelids, like ptosis repairs. Um, when kind of like you get oh. older and like you get loads of eye bags and cosmetically, that's not good, but also it kind of affects the eye closure, um, things like that. Things like lid bumps, calasians, things like that. So I have a clinic in the morning and then a, th- a plastics theater where we remove those, correct the ptosis, things like that in the afternoon. Uh, Wednesday morning I have like a laser clinic so diabetic patients things like that who need laser at the back of their eye um and this is pretty standard for even an ST1 like you're really hands on um so we don't have like ophthalmologies in the way that the patient comes to the clinic and we usually treat them there and then unless they need surgery so if they need laser we'll just go to the laser room and do it rather than be like oh we'll see you in two weeks for the laser clinic do you get me um which okay. is mm-hmm. just because they need it done um Wednesday afternoon, I do a paediatric clinic, so children with, like, squints. So you know how... It's really sad, actually. This is one of the things I saw earlier, where you get, like, four, five, seven-year-olds who have slightly misaligned eyes, and they're literally getting bullied at school. Mm. It's not the the other child's fault, but that's just how... It's just, like... It's curiosity, like, why is your eye looking over there? And fixing that and seeing that is quite cool. We do that Wednesday afternoon. Thursday morning is... um, Theatre again, so cataract surgery. So that's my third theatre session of the day. Thursday afternoon is my study. And <laughs> another study session. Um, Friday morning is our weekly teaching. So just how you have an F1, F2 kind of weekly teaching. Whatever specialty you do, you have that weekly thing. So we have that Friday morning. And because ophthalmology is quite a small specialty, we have it kind of across West London. So you have a East London, North London, and then a West London one. Um, oh. So pre-COVID, mm-hmm. we all kind of gather at the Western and Um, have teaching and then we'd go off to our hospitals. Now it's kind of online because of COVID. um, That will hopefully change. And then Wednesday afternoon, I'm in the kind of eye casualty. So basically an A&E, but only for eyes. So um, Mm -hmm. it makes sense because if you have an eye problem and you go to a general A&E, they will see you, but A&E will be like, yo. So there's something like wrong with the eyes. Um, We have a slit lamp here, but i will be honest, (laughs) I ain't used it for a while. And then we end up seeing them there. So normally we're like, just send the patient to us. Um, it's just much easier for the patient, much easier for us, much easier for you guys so that is my week, I have on calls so when I'm on call it varies but um, I can be in on call means you're doing the A&E so I'll be covering the A&E from like 5pm to 8.30pm 8.30 onwards till 8am we're on call from home so um, Mm. that's why we got that call earlier today so it's pretty nice yeah (laughs) yeah so we'll get a call from gps or 111 or a or any saying hey i've got this patient and that's that's actually a really important skill because like at the start you're nervous you're like wait wait can this patient wait i don't know if like i don't really have that much experience but it's just like asking the right questions over the phone what happens Mm -hmm. if um i
0: remember i was on itu we used to have like a lot of trauma and like they had like a globe yeah. rupture what happens in those situations do you have someone on the shop floor do you have to kind of no. no. So in we, and we go because in some things are just an emergency yeah. right so okay. some
1: hospitals like moorfields in london have uh, a one doctor in overnight but almost yeah all it. the other hospitals are non-resident on calls um, in london anyway and i think it's cool. probably a similar thing across mm-hmm. the uk so some emergencies yeah. you do need to go in for because even if you're not necessarily going to be able to do the operation you need to assess the eye Unfortunately yeah, yeah. with a lot of these patients, like you're mentioning, the eye isn't the only thing that's not quite right. If they've had a big trauma, then there's lots of things going like on. RTA exactly, yeah. Stuff, yeah. So it's still important that we go and assess the eye. And um, there are a few emergencies on the mm-hmm. eye that can't wait. So things like an acute angle closure glaucoma that they were worried that I was having and they wouldn't oh, give yeah. me my contact lenses. Yeah. Um, was, um, <laughs> was uh, they're, they're things that can't wait till the morning. But the majority of things, if you have good vision, which they can test an A&E with a, with a Snellen chart, if the eye, even if the eye looks very red, if the vision is good and they're not in pain, um, then almost nothing is mm. an absolute emergency that can't wait till 8 a.m. in the morning. So what most of us do is if we think it's an emergency, we go in. If it's 3, 4 a.m., we can say, look, can you do these tests? I'll get in for like six because then I don't have to go in and come home. Oh, okay. Obviously, yeah, you've yeah. got to be really careful because mm-hmm. you don't want to be waiting, missing those two hours when actually their vision could potentially be getting worse and worse and worse irreversibly right. so mm-hmm. it's no. a different specialty where i d- when in f1 f2 i did the ward rounds i did the general surgery i did obs, obs and gynae, but this is all very clinic based surgery laser and then on calls usually from home so it's it's completely different it sounds very good it is good but um it's uh you got to experience it uh, to see if you enjoy it
0: no no, sounds fun, yeah. It sounds really good. As in, this, this is what I love doing. This you get a real insight, and it's only kind of spending a good amount of time knowing you, speaking to you, to really mm-hmm. understand it. So, I really do hope a lot of people that are interested in ophthalmology listen to this um, and get a good insight into what life is like as a trainee. Um, but, yeah, we're conscious of your time, and you know, we want to wrap up. Tell us some advice you'd give to future ophthalmology trainees or future doctors and um, that you've kind of gathered throughout your career so far
1: um okay great question um i'd say looking back what i was like at kind of middle of medical school what advice i'd say for myself and other people in that kind of in those shoes are um like i said number one i've said this before but never say no to an experience or like at one point you've mm-hmm. got to say okay i've got to prioritize my it's the day before my exams i can't say can't say you know, I'm going to go to this event or like birthday party sometimes, but <laughs> you will know deep down in your in yourself, like, is it really worth it? Like, like at the moment it might think that that YouTube video needs to come out, but actually does it probably not. <laughs> Nothing is going to change mm-hmm. apart from you thinking for a day, Oh, I should have done that YouTube video. Nothing else in your life is going to change. So be really yeah. wary when you say no to experiences and, um, uni experiences with family experiences with friends even like anything like like i said even for me watching something live like if i want to watch a boxing match if i want to watch the football like i've got to balance that with hanging out with mates i'm obviously going to hang out with my mates because i can't be like no no i've got to watch the football you know because that that could happen 10 times a year do you know what i mean so it's really find that balance and making trying to tell yourself like what do i enjoy most what is most important to me because so many times we don't do that until like it's too late. And then we're like, oh, I should have gone to that. I should have done that. I should have done that instead. So That's one thing. Um, if you're in medical school, work with your mates. The number one thing, it will make your life easier. You will do better. They will do better. You will establish friendships and relationships that will go way beyond kind of getting a little bit better than your mate in medical school. Because we all think about it. It's all in the back of our heads. Like, you know, like, what happens if like, I fail? Or, like, you know, <laughs> all this stuff, like, Work together yeah. is such an important thing. Um, be transparent. Help them out. They will help you out. And the third thing is, by doing that, ask others what, like, ask others, have that relationship where, like, what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? And keep asking them that. For example, like, the, pe- people know you. The people close to you know you better than you know yourself. Um, and they also know what you're good at. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I never realized I was okay-ish at OSCEs. Until they told me, like, you know, mm. y- you really helped us all in medical school. You should put this out there. And if there wasn't for them telling me that, I would have been chatting about UK cat and all that stuff. That, like, I'm sure there's enough yeah, people yeah. talking about that. Do you know what I mean? There's enough people ta- telling course, people yeah. how to get into medical school. Giving probably much better advice because they're more younger than me. They're more relevant. They've done it more recently. Whereas my mates were saying, like, talk about OSCEs. No one does that. Literally, no one does... Uh, teaches medical students how to study because everyone thinks medical students know how to do it did we know how to do it no so most medical students don't it's a trial and error process so if you can give something that isn't Mm. really out there then that's what maybe made me think okay maybe this youtube thing is actually this is this is my kind of scene um talking about this yeah so yeah those are the three things that i'd say um i wish i knew a few years earlier and hopefully useful to anyone listening
0: Definitely amazing. We really love speaking no. to you. Um, I know we've done you know the podcast together in the past, but it's really nice to kind of meet you, get to know you, find out an insight into your life and career. I want to wish you the best in your career. You, man. Man. Um, we know you love it, and I can't I'd wait love to everything. see you become a big boy consultant <laughs> with a clinic in Harley Street. <laughs> and I'm going to come check you with my. You you be have tea and yeah I do, I do i do, do you laser <laughs> yeah. on the
1: house all right if you guys ever need laser yeah, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah, yeah.
0: yeah i don't want to wear glasses anymore yeah we need yeah we need, <laughs> that. Yeah. We need that but um, <laughs> now man it's been super fun i want to thank you and a massive thank you to our listeners as well um but yeah we'll catch you all next week and if you want to get hold of aaron we'll put links below for all the youtube his instagram twitter um and you're more than happy for them to reach yeah, out Yeah, if you anyone any wants to reach out, up. especially, especially for advice on opportunity right.
1: or anything that I might be able to help Oski's, then yeah, just drop me a message um, yeah. and hopefully yeah. I can help you guys out. But thank you for having me, guys. It's been a pleasure. It's been a lot of jokes. And um, yeah, really, really blessed no, to be yeah. here.